Welcome to the Awakening Podcast Network. Get ready for an inspiring audio from this cutting-edge voice. You can find more podcasts at awakeningpodcasts.com. You want to go deeper? Get equipped to overcome and walk in God's purpose for your life at Awakening House of Prayer's online campus. You'll experience an online family, preaching, teaching, and prophetic impartation for victorious living. We have over a thousand members online hungry for what God is saying and doing in the earth. Visit ahop.online today and join our family. AHOP TV empowers believers with spirit-inspired messages and strategic equipping that accelerates your spiritual growth. You can subscribe to stream weekly content from Awakening House of Prayer, conferences, and other exclusive content to stir your hunger and encourage your heart. Visit us online at ahop.tv. Right now, I want you to put your hands together in the room tonight for Dr. Cindy Trim as she comes to deliver the word. We are so excited to be here where the presence of the Lord is. There is liberty. Something that has been illegally bound is getting ready to be loosed. And I believe that this is the season where we are literally going to have the supernatural displayed in our lives every single day. We are going to live the supernatural life and the blessed life, and we're going to live it right now. So greet the person beside you and let them know that they are blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. You're blessed. We're going to go directly into our teaching tonight. We're very excited that you are able to join us with my life group here in Atlanta, Georgia. Amen. And we're going to go directly into our scriptures. And just for um, the um, support of the word of God, we want to read the entire text and then begin to extrapolate from this particular text the exact scripture that we're going to be supporting our teaching tonight. In the book of Matthew chapter 5, we read as we are introduced to what is called the Beatitudes. The Bible says in verse 1, And seeing the multitude, he went up into the mountain, And when he had said, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and say, all men are of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which went before you. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savior, wherewith shall it be salted? And if therefore good, it is therefore good for nothing, but it's to be cast out and to be trodden down underfoot. Ye are the light of the world, a city that is set on the hill that cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Typically, we understand that this entire text is is, is called the Beatitudes. Uh, the attitude that you need to have when life throws you against the rope and gives you a rope-a-dope, you're able to say, try me instead of why me? And this is what the Beatitudes is all about. We taught on the first principle, the principle, living the blessed life. And the Bible said, blessed are the poor in a spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And as we taught, we learned one thing, that this particular Beatitude is one that drives you to trust God. It is your declaration of dependence. We know that the United States of America 
America is free because of its declaration of independence. But this is a declaration of dependence. We are saying, God, we are depending on you. We know that you're able to supply all of our need according to your riches in glory. And when you make this declaration of dependence, you are acknowledging that God is Jehovah Jireh. He's not just your resource. He's the source of your resource. So even as your, even as sometimes it feels as if your resources are drying up, you can still go back to the source. He said the cattle on a thousand hills are mine. He not only owns the cattle, he owns the hills. All the gold, all the silver is mine, saith the Lord. So that means that God never runs out of resources. He's El Shaddai. He's the all-sufficient one. My God is able to supply all of my need according to his riches in glory. And this is why he said but seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you it means that you don't have to have a second job and a third job there are so many people that work nine to faint they don't just work nine to five they work nine to faint but your days of working nine to faint is over because the struggle is over and this is why I love these beatitudes but today we are going to talk about the second beatitude. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And if I were to choose a topic for tonight, definitely it would be living on the boundary of breakthrough. Living on the boundary of breakthrough. And so when the rug is pulled up from under you, this is what happens when you suffer a loss. When that rug is pulled up from under you, God will help you to find your legs after loss. This, in this particular beatitude is about how do I find my legs after loss? When the rug is pulled up from under me, how do I regain uh, my life? How do I regain stability? Again, Matthew chapter 5 verse 4 says, blessed, happy, empowered, admirable, enviable, uh, wealthy are those that mourn for they shall be comforted. That word shall is a very important word. It simply means if the devil tries to get in God's way, God is going to roll him over. He's going to bulldoze him over. He's going to knock him out of the way. You are blessed. Shout, I'm blessed. The Bible said you shall be comforted. And this is, this is a Greek word, and it's a very important word. It means that when you call, someone comes to your rescue. In other words, when you pray in your darkest moment, you are never going to be alone. You are going to be able to cry out unto God and God is going to answer you. He's going to speak to you. You are going to be able to call upon him and he's going to come to your rescue. The scripture says that I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never leave you comfortless. I will never leave you as an orphan. I'm going to be here to console you, to encourage you, to strengthen you. I'm going to be here to comfort you. I'm going to be here to encourage you. I'm going to be here to exhort you. Have you ever been in a place where you trusted God, but unbelief was seeking in? It, you, your faith was high, but your emotions were higher. You knew that God could answer your prayers and would answer your prayers, but your emotions were getting the best of you. This is what happened when we read scriptures in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verses 1 to 3. And if you would go there with me please. One of the reasons why I love the beatitude because it, 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 it's an acknowledgement of everything that we go through in life. But the beatitudes is given to encourage you to let you know that you are going to defy all odds. What wiped out one person is not going to wipe you out. The Bible said, so I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of such as were oppressed and they had no comforter. In other words, there was no one to console them. And on the side of the oppressor, there was power. In other words, they had a network. They had resources. They had wealth. But have you ever been to a place where you look 
looked at yourself and you were wondering, where is my help? Where you helped everybody else, but in a time of need, there was no one to help you. This is what the, the writer of Ecclesiastes was saying. We are looking at everyone else and everyone else seems as if they had help. Everyone else seems as if they had networks and resources and access to what they needed. But when they looked at themselves, they said, we are oppressed. And then verse number two says, wherefore, I praise the dead, which are already dead, more than the living, which are yet alive. In other words, he was so depressed. He said, it was, it's probably better for me to be dead than living. In other words, why, God, did you birth me? Or why was I birthed? Or why was I born? And why is all of these things happening to me? Have you ever been in such a dark place? You did not want to commit suicide, but you were would have rather have been dead than living. Have you ever been to that dark place where your depression was your companion? I know many of us can testify of that dark place and this is why we have a testimony. Your testimony is a declaration of your faith in God where you're able to say if it had not been for the Lord on my side, he picked me up, he turned me around, he placed my feet on solid ground. It was God that kept us when we could not keep ourselves. It was God that came to our rescue. The, the, the thing about this particular text, it really highlights a law and it's the law of opposite effect. And Paul was able to say, for me to live to die is Christ. For me to live, to die is Christ. Whenever there is mourning, blessed are they that mourn. Mourning or grieving happens when you suffer a loss. And this scripture is encouraging because it lets us know that no matter how deep the pain and how long you grieve, you will never have to suffer alone. Now, this is the second installment of the Beatitudes, and it helps us to find strength in our moments of greatest challenge. It helps us to find legs after a loss. It's about securing your breakthrough when you feel like you are suffering a breakdown. I am here to announce to you that if you are at the point of breaking, it will never be at the point of breaking down another day in your life. You are not going to break down down. You are going to break through. I decree and declare you are going to break through in spite of what you're going through because what you're going through has to do with God, with what God is going to take you to. Things are going to change for you. Things are going to get better. And I prophesy this over your life. I prophesy this over your health. I prophesy this over your marriage. Things are about to change. This is about getting a breakthrough. Now, the American Heritage Dictionary uh, defines breakthrough as a sudden, dramatic, and important discovery or development that leads to the achievement of success and progress in a specific sphere or in an activity in spite of the previous challenges or oppositions or barriers or failures or setbacks or derailments or ambush or defeat. I'm going to say it all over again because this particular text hallelujah from out of Matthew chapter 5 verse 4 is an important text because it's a text if you dig deep down uh, into the text you will discover that Jesus was talking about a breakthrough blessed are they that mourn because you're going to be comforted in other words at the breaking point you're going to break through it means that in spite of what you're going through, in spite of the opposition, in spite of the challenges, in spite of the barriers, in spite of the failures, in spite of the loss, in spite of the setback, in spite of the derailment, in spite of the defeat, in spite of the ambush, you are still blessed. Yes. And it's going to happen suddenly. Blessed are they that mourn. In other words, you're going to go through the mourning process. 
but one day you're going to wake up feeling different than what you felt going to bed. I want to announce to you that God works the day shift, but he also works the night shift too. While you are slumbering and sleeping, God is working things out on your behalf. It was when Adam was put to sleep. He woke up the next morning uh, 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 introduced to the dream of his life. He married the woman of his dream. Those of you that are single and you are suffering from loneliness, Those of you that have suffered from divorce and you know the pain, hallelujah, of being abandoned and the pain of being rejected, you are maybe in pain right now. But one night you're going to go to bed filled with pain, but the next morning you're going to wake up living the life of your dream. You are mourning. Mourning happens when the pain of a setback or the pain of defeat or the pain of loss or the discouragement and derailment that we feel after suffering a loss. Hallelujah happens that it's so deep that you just don't want to live. But you don't have enough emotional and spiritual uh, reserves to kill yourself. So you're a walking dead. You don't want to feel because you're afraid that if you feel it might hurt even deeper but there is a bomb in Gilead I want to decree that after this season this will be the last sad tear that you will ever cry for weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning give your neighbor a high five and shout good morning yes things are about to change for you Loss, grief, mourning can happen to anybody and it can happen to any one of us. Think about Hannah. Hannah had never had a child, but yet scripture records how deeply she was grieving. And I begin to understand this because she was in grief because every single month she could not conceive. She had her monthly cycle and there were many women who was conceiving, but no matter how much she involved herself in intense fellowship with her husband legally, she could not conceive. Have you ever mourned for a loss before? The loss of a job or the loss of reputation or loss of hope or loss of marriage or loss of child or loss of an opportunity or loss of your health. Have you ever suffered so deeply that, that it, it, you were in a place where that, that you could not articulate it to people and people tried to console you, but their words were insufficient. They would give you a scripture, but the, it was like pouring water on a duck's back. You believe God, but you couldn't believe for yourself. It is that sinking feeling that hits the pit of your stomach that makes your heart pound, that threatens to kill your faith, your hope, your joy at point blank range. It means that you are in mourning. To mourn is to grieve. Grief wears many different masks and it's accompanied by feelings of remorse or disappointment or shock or disillusionment or you say I can't believe this is happening to me and I can't believe that they did it to me and I can't believe they fired me and I can't believe that this happened and I can't believe he treated this this, me this way it's almost like you're traveling on a high and then you're blindsided and it brings confusion and it brings bitterness and it brings hurt and it brings a numbness and sometimes you just say well it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if I do this or this if it's one if it's not one thing it's another and sometimes you just want to end it all oh you are not the first one it is recorded how Elijah suffered that level of grief where he 
experienced the deep feeling when Jezebel threatened his life and when he felt that his ministry had come to an end. It not only happened to Elijah, it happened to Jeremiah. Jeremiah experienced it when he protested God, when he said, I don't want to preach anymore. It happened to Job after Job experienced when he cursed the day he was born after he lost everything. He lost his children. He lost his wife. He lost his reputation. And he said, I would rather have not been born than to have been born to experience this kind of pain. It happened to David's daughter Tamar when she sunk into the depth of darkness of depression after she had been violated by her brother. In the midst of helplessness and in the midst of hopelessness, we find comfort in this beatitude when we are all face those moments hallelujah where we say God is it worth living I've given everything but yet is this how my life is going to end I thought that God you were going to bless me in a different way and God said yes I'm blessing you you may be not be able to control your emotions you may not be able to control those people around you you may not be able to control even the atmosphere or the climate or the culture or the environment that you are living in but the one thing you can control you can control your attitude and it's the one thing that we understand and that's how you see yourself you are not a victim you are more than a conqueror for greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world and you are stronger than you can ever imagine because usually when we become grieved grieved and usually when we mourn we look at ourselves and we wonder everybody else seems as if they're getting along but what happens to me and this is when the devil plays games with your mind and he talks to you as if you are fatally flawed but I've come to announce to you you are not fatally fought, but you are fabulous. You have been created in the image and the likeness of God. And even Jesus wept. It's nothing wrong with tears. There's nothing wrong with emotions. Because if you didn't use your emotions, you will definitely suffer from a nervous breakdown. But let the tears cry. But while the tears are coming down your eyes, you say, yet God, I trust you. I trust you in the light. I trust you in the darkness. I trust you when I'm up. I trust you when I'm down. In all things, I've learned how to be content. Why? Because I know that all things are working together for my good. They may not feel good, but they are working together for my good. They may not be good, but they're working together for my good. Can you give the Lord some praise? David had that moment. Psalm 139 verse 7 to 14. He had that moment. He said, whither shall I go from your spirit? Or whither shall I free from thy presence? If I ascend unto the heavens, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hands lead me. Thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me. Even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my range. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. David had that moment and then he had also a real realization no matter how emotional emotionally I feel no matter what my emotions are dictating he said that God I'm no less a man or woman of faith because I'm having an emotional moment God made you a spiritual being but he also made you an emotional being and just because you have those moments, it doesn't mean that God has left you. 
You see, I've learned just from experience that I'm a perfect, imperfect person. I'm perfectly imperfect. But it's in my imperfect moments that the perfect power of God is made available to me. In my weakness, his strength is made perfect. So that means that you're going to have those weak moments. You're going to have those moments when you doubt. You're going to have those moments when you wonder, God, is life worth living? And then this beatitude says, in that moment, you're going to be able to call on the comforter because the comforter will surely come. It is recorded in the book of Ruth about Naomi and Ruth. They both lost their husband. And it hit Naomi so deep that she was really depressed and she was in the grieving process. And in Ruth chapter 1, verse uh, number uh, 19, the Bible says something that is interesting. Reading verse 19 to 21, they're both in mourning and they're both grieving. Grief happens when you lose something. The Bible said, so they two went until they came to Bethel. That's uh, the house of God. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethel um, that all the city was moved about them. And I love this statement. All the city was moved about them. It means that every morning you wake up, you awaken to a world in motion. And the world does not stop just because something happens to you. The world just keeps marching on. It keeps on ticking. But it also lets me know something. That God doesn't overlook our pain. He is in the midst of that pain right there with you. And every morning you awaken. You awaken to a, a world of unlimited potentiality and unlimited options. And where the unbeliever has no other option than drugs and alcohol. When the world has no other option than Zoloff, God is your go-to. He's your secret place. He's your secret weapon. I've discovered this, that we don't need Zoloff. We need praise. God is going to place upon you the spirit of praise for the spirit of heaviness. When heaviness is around, God places upon you the garment of praise. Therefore, whenever you're depressed, find something to be thankful for. You may not be thankful for your situation, but God, this morning, thank you for waking me up. Thank you for giving me eyes that see, for keeping me in my right mind. You may not even have an appetite. There are so many people that lose their appetite. But can you see? Can you hear? There is something that you can thank God for. Because when God created you, he did not create you to break. He created you to band and then overcome and win in the end. That's how he created you. Naomi said to these people that did not recognize you, did not recognize her. They said, she said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Mara. He said, she said, because the almighty had dealt very bitterly with me. Life has a way of changing us. It really does. But I've discovered just from living long enough, and I'm talking about wisdom here that hard times don't have to harden you. She didn't feel like her old self. When you're mourning, you don't act like your old self. You don't feel like your old self. Have you ever come to church and everyone else is jumping and shouting and you've been through something and you just sat and the praise was just going over you? I mean, you wanted to praise God, but you didn't have any more resources left because you struggled. 
And it was a struggle to wake up and it was a struggle to go to work and it was a struggle to do your daily chores and it was a struggle for you to come to service and you had just reached a point of indifference. This particular beatitude says, acknowledge it. It doesn't, it doesn't make you less strong or less spiritual. It just acknowledges that you are human. And this is important because God didn't make you an angel. He made you a human being. And we're still trying to figure out this human experience. I wish I had wings. I wish I had a halo where you could sing. I could see your halo. But every now and then, our halos break. And we don't want to wear them anymore. We, we, we don't want to be happy. And we don't want to believe. We just want to be left alone. Have you been to that place where you've suffered so much, where you struggled loss and disappointment and hurt and pain. You just feel like being left alone. I just need to catch my breath. She said, look, I went out full, but the Lord brought me home again empty. Have you ever blamed God? Guess what? It still doesn't change the way God feels about you. Why? Because we're just being human. We're just being human. She was simply saying, why me? What did I do to deserve this? Why this? And why now? Loss brings a lot of emotional response. And it's something that we can't help. People lose spouses. People lose houses. People lose leadership. People lose jobs. People lose marriages, children, pets, businesses. They lose face. They lose their health. They lose their breast. They lose their organs. They lose their limbs. They lose opportunity. They lose property. They lose their voice. They lose relationships. They lose business colleagues, ministerial colleagues. They lose trust, respect. They lose close friends and close colleagues. And every last one of us are going to go through a season where we mourn because we mourn when we suffer a loss. There are five stages of mourning. Number one, shock. Where something happens and it just like a slap in the face. You, you, you don't have no answers. Your, 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 your mouth is open and, 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 and you blink your eye and shake your head. Then the second is disbelief. You, you can't believe this is happening. Now, as simple as this may seem, this happened to me. I was flying from um, uh, California, and I flew a red eye to Atlanta. And this one time I decide to pack my laptop in my suitcase. My laptop has everything on it. And I hadn't backed up my laptop. And I put it in my suitcase, and when I got to Atlanta, there was no laptop. And everybody says, well, Dr. Trim, you're going to go get it back. I decree, I declare. But after the sh uh, shock had set in, I just couldn't believe it. My, I, I was writing a book. I think it was... Um, uh, uh, the rules of engagement. I was writing the rules of engagement book. I had finished. I had flown to London, went to a little place, let the, uh, in, in, in one of the villages in England. And I had sat there and wrote this book all day, all night. And that was on the laptop. My whole, my whole life, every revelation was on this particular laptop. And when people were saying to me, God is going to restore it. I see your laptop coming back. There was something that was on the inside of me. I couldn't even believe. I was not only shocked, I was in a state of disbelief. This has never happened to me. 
Then I got depressed. So all of the, all of the uh, scriptures that they were given and the prayers they were given, it was like water on Doc's back. You know, you know, you know it, right? And they were, I, I was like, I don't want to hear another person give me a scripture or a prophetic word. Because I was depressed. That's the third stage. Blessed are they that mourn. Listen to me carefully. You are going to go through shock. You are going to go through disbelief. You are going to be depressed. And then it's the next stage is anger. Now I'm mad. I want to sue everybody. The man that carried it, Delta Airlines, I am angry. I'm on the phone. Who is your supervisor? Who is your supervisor of the supervisor? Who is the supervisor of the supervisor? I want to go all the way up to whoever is the president of Delta. Because now I'm angry. How dare you? Now I'm angry. That's the fourth stage. Blessed are they that mourn. It's acknowledging that we're going to go through these stages. And then the fifth one is acceptance. I remember the day I accepted it. And I remember the Holy Spirit whispering to me, you're going to have to do it again. But this time you're going to do it better. This time you're going to do it better. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are you that go through that stage of shock. And then disbelief. And then depression. And now you're mad. She was mad. Don't call me Naomi. They were like, what? She was mad. And then you come to an acceptance. This has happened. What do you do when everything you built your life on, everything you trusted, goes up in smoke? Let's look at the book of Genesis, chapter 19, 24 to 28. Genesis 19, 24 to 28. Are you getting anything out of this? The Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of that city, that which, which grew upon, that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind. She became a pillar of salt. Abraham got up early in the morning in the place where he stood before the Lord. And he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the land and plain. And behold, lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of the furnace. When catastrophe struck, it struck Abraham's family. He was a prayer warrior. He's an intercessor. And a lot of us experience that. We give, we pray, we fast, we sacrifice, and then our family gets hit or we get hit. He was a man of faith and he was a man of prayer like many of us. Lot and his family watched Everything they built their lives upon go up in smoke. Every relationship, their influence, their businesses, their reputation, the whole city was flattened by fire. And their response, the response of their family members is the responses that many of us have had. So if we look at their responses we can see similarities for us when we suffer loss. Number one, there is Lot. Lot acted with denial. So he drowned his sorrow in alcohol. There are so many people who are alcoholics and they are responding to their loss and their life like Lot. They use drugs they use alcohol. They're trying to deal with pain by medicating it. Number two, you have lots of daughters. And they sought pain medicine. And they fed their addiction through sexual promiscuity and deviance, which was the response of his two daughters. So he sought pain medication through drugs and alcohol, substance abuse. 
his daughters became sexually promiscuous. That means that we should not judge anybody because we don't know what pain they're trying to medicate. Number three, there was Lot's wife and she responded with despair. Uh, in other words, she was stuck in the past. She, she remained frozen in the past, wanting things to be as they were rather than pushing into the future. Her destiny changed when she became stuck. A pillar of salt means that she was stuck. She was moving forward, but she couldn't move on. That's the third category of people. They're just going through the motion of life but they're connected to the past. They cannot let go. So she lost so much ground that she could never recoup. She, 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 it looked like she was living, but she wasn't. She was dead on the inside because she couldn't let go of the past. This means that when I was excavating this particular text, blessed are they that mourn, blessed are those that go through the five stages of grief, for they shall be comforted. It means at every stage of grief, God is going to be there spiritually supplying supernatural strength so that you can make it to the next stage. You don't have to be medicated. Why? Because you're blessed with the presence of God. You don't have to use drugs and alcohol. Why? Because you're blessed with the presence of God. You don't have to be sexually promiscuous. Why? Because you're blessed with the presence of God. You don't have to be stuck in your past. You can let bygones be bygones. Why? Because you're blessed with the presence of God. Now, let me drive this home just a little bit more. How many of your family members display these characteristics? How many of you were once there trying to get deliverance from one of these states? I want to give you some hope tonight. I want to say that the issue was never you. The issue was with your problem-solving strategy. You see, problem-solving strategies are necessary when you're in the midst of transition. Because when you suffer loss, the grieving process is a part of your transition. You are neither here but you're not there either. You are here, and where is here? In the middle of grief. And what is grief but transition? You see, a lot of people don't make a mess of their lives when they're there or here. They make, make a mess of their life in the midst of transition. We all have those moments when we are in the middle of transition, when we ask this question, what is wrong with me? We question our sanity. We question our ability. We question our relevance. We question our significance. We question our strength. We question our intelligence. We question our faith. We question our conviction. And do you not know that God is not afraid of the question. Ask, and it shall be given you. The problem is not with whether you're going to get the answer. The problem is with the question. Don't curse the answer. Change the question. How can I get through this? Not why did this happen to me? If you ask why did this happen to me, it's because you deserved it. 
or because you lie or because you're dumb or because you don't have any education or because you don't have no money or because people don't like you. Wrong question. How can I get through this? Oh, that's a different question. God is a God of strategy. When stuff happens and we're in the midst of mourning, he said, right there, you are blessed. Why? I'm going to be there to comfort you with strategies. I'm going to give you some solutions. One of the things that is hard, it's hard to be in transition. Ask the children of Israel. They were not in the promised land. (laughs) They were fresh out of Egypt and they're in the wilderness. And many of them did what? Died in the wilderness. Why? Because they did not have the strategy for their next. How do you know you're in the middle of transition? Number one, there's always pain before healing. Number two, there's always a loss before gain. Number three, there's always lows before highs. Number four, there is always humility before exaltation. There's always lack before abundance, and there's always scattering before gathering. And so you know you're in transition when you're in pain. When you've suffered loss, when you have those lows, when you're humiliated, when you're in the middle of lack, and when there are scattering. But during transition, you've got to trust God's promises. You've got to trust God's personhood. You've got to trust God's power. You've got to trust God's integrity. And you've got to trust God's sovereignty. God is the God of all comfort. God gives you comfort and assurance in the midst of your greatest pain because it's there where you really begin to discover the stuff that you are made of. 2 Corinthians 7, 9 to 10. It says, now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly matter, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of the world worketh death. Many people bury themselves and nail themselves in their own coffin. And some people are stuck in the mourning process and they never get over it. Let's look at 2 Samuel 21, 8 to 10. 2 Samuel 21, 8 to 10. The scripture said, But the king took the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, whom she bare unto Saul, Armani and Mephibosheth, and her five sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Barzillai, the Mahalothite. And he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, And they hanged them in the hill before the Lord, and they fell all seven together. And were put to death death in the days of the harvest, in the first days, in the beginning of the barley harvest. And Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, took the sackcloth, spread it for for her upon the rock from the beginning of the harvest until water dropped upon them out of heaven and suffered neither the birds of the ear to rest on them by day, nor the beast of the field by night. And then the scripture continues going on about the works of David. Now, this is an important scripture because she was stuck in a transitional period. She was in grief, but she could never move on. And so while everyone else was reaping a harvest, she began to milk an old season. You don't have to be stuck 
without having your emotions healed. Isaiah 61, 1 to 6 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to the opening of the prison, to them that are bound, to the proclaiming of the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes. Now, I want to extrapolate the word ashes. Ashes is the stuff that is left over after a fire. And this scripture is simply saying, I've given you the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing, so that you can rise from the ashes. How do you do that? Number one, embrace the promises that God is giving you. John 15, 26. But when the comforter is come, whom I will send unto you, from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeded from the Father, he shall testify of me. John 16, 17 to 16. Nevertheless, I tell the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, that they believe not... It, that that they believe not on me of righteousness because I go to the father and ye see me no more of judgment because the prince of the world is judge. I have many things to say unto you, but you cannot hear them now. How be it when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. God is sending you the comforter. John 14, uh, 26 to 27 says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost from the Father, will send. Will I send in my name. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Then he said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world give unto you. Number two, the promise that you are going to recover all. When everything goes up in smoke and you are suffering loss, here's the second promise. You're going to recover it all. David at Ziklag, he said, God, you know, I fought and now I'm coming home and look what's happening to me. And he was depressed. The Bible said that all the people were grieved and every man, they were grieving his son and his daughter. But David encouraged himself. And when he encouraged himself, he inquired of the Lord and the Lord gave him a strategy to transition him. And he said, what should I do? And God said to him, I want you to pursue, for surely you will overtake them and you will recover all. You're going to recover all. Number three, God is going to give you double for your trouble. Here's the promises that you hold on to. Isaiah 61 and 7. For your shame, you will have double. For your confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess the double. Everlasting joy shall be upon them. God is going to give you double for your trouble. And then number four, God is going to give you wisdom in the midst of your grief. He's going to give you wisdom and counsel so that you can make it through. This is Isaiah eleven two to 4. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord to make him quick of understanding. And then number five, you are going to make it through this and come out on the other side with more because all things work together for good. It was Joseph that said, I'm in a place in, I'm in, a place in God. He said, I'm in the place of God. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And so what do you do when you don't know what to do? Number one, accept the loss. Don't be like uh, Lot's wife, stuck, wishing, wishing things were like they were. It is what it is. It ain't what it ain't. Number two, strengthen what remains. Number three, build 
on the broken pieces. Number four, face forward. And number five, move on. Blessed are those that suffer loss. The loss of hope, the loss of a job, the loss of health, the loss of children, the loss of an opportunity. He said, blessed are you. Why? You're going to defy all odds because it's right there in the midst of the loss that you're living within the boundaries of your greatest breakthrough. When the rug is pulled up from under you, this particular beatitude says, you're going to find your legs after loss. Our Father and our God will give you praise and honor and glory. This particular uh, beatitude is important because you were saying to us, the whole world is suffering loss, but we are not without a comforter. We are not without a hope. And it's an acknowledgement, God, that with loss, we, uh, we have that season of shock and a season of disbelief and a season of, of hurt and pain and bitterness and anger. But there comes a time when you're going to heal us and you are going to be with us in each one of the stages, the five stages of grief. We have all lost something. We have lost work. We have lost our way. We have lost our homes. And even now we pray for those that are going through natural disasters like hurricanes where they're losing their homes and they're losing their family members and found that there are those that are losing them for for senseless uh, uh, things like murder where women uh, wake up with their sons kissing them on the cheek saying goodbye but then they hear the phone ring and they hear that they have lost their son to gang violence we hear of people losing limbs and losing parts of their body and father it's one thing for us to say that I have the word of the Lord, Lord for you, but it's yet another thing to sit with them during this transitional period. And sometimes it's not about what we say or how we pray. It's just to remind them that they are not left comfortless. Use us in that time. We are the salt of the earth. We are light of the world. And you are saying, God, we will have a testimony that those that have no hope, those that do not know, know you as their savior can look at us and have hope because you are carrying us through a worst time a hardest time a darkest moment we pray for every believer but we also pray for this world this world is struggling to find their legs there was so much upheaval but father we thank you that we are able to pray we are able to pray for our brothers and sisters we are able to to pray for humanity we are able to pray for that woman that lost their daughter or lost their child to cancer that lost their baby to cancer that lost their baby to SIDS we are able to pray hallelujah for the woman that lost her husband in war father there are many individuals that are crying out and asking God why we don't always know why but they are blessed because they are are not comfortless you are going to walk them through you are going to walk them through the dark time you are going to walk us through hallelujah the time when we want to give up when we want to uh, uh, you to take our lives but father during that transitional moment when they are asking questions uh, be with them and let them know weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning. I pray, oh God, hallelujah, for every uh, 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 woman that has lost their parent, every man that has lost their parent, every child that has lost their parent. I pray, Father, for those that have been adopted and they are still mourning, hallelujah, the loss of a parent that they never knew. And I pray, oh God, that you would be 
with them, that you would heal them, that you would comfort them. Father, those that are with us tonight, they may not speak about it, but in the quietness of, of their own me moment, the tears come down their eye where they feel alone. I pray at that moment, be with them. Give them an encouraging word. Send them someone who represents you. I pray, hallelujah, for the elderly that are home all alone. Hallelujah, where their sons and daughters may have preceded them in death or their sons and daughters do not even visit them. Use us, God. Use us to visit those that are in prison. Use us to visit those that are in hospital. Use us to visit those that have no one. We are your hands. We are your arms. We are your heart. We are your feet. Use us to encourage one another in the season of their greatest loss and their greatest grief. Now unto him who is able to do the exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. Let the church say amen. If I could, if I could sing tonight, I would sing the song, You Are Not Alone. Amen. I tell you, that'll bring some joy to your heart if I started singing. Amen. Laughter is good medicine for the soul. But you are not alone. It may feel like it. You may be angry. You may be bitter. You may be hurt. You may be in shock. Your, the rug may have been pulled from under your feet. But you're going to find your legs again. Because it's right there that you're on the brink on the boundary of your breakthrough. God bless you all in Jesus' name. This has been a production of the Awakening Podcast Network. Jennifer LeClaire is the founder and owner of APN. Our heart is to inspire people and exalt Jesus with every broadcast. We're grateful for our advertisers and supporters that make these podcasts possible. 